like the story of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, you definitely wouldn't put that in there. Like not in a million years. That's why I love when people say, oh, the Bible being written by people. I'm like, no one would have written it that way. Like nobody would. Like it's like a bad soap opera. But the Bible is full of people who make a ton of mistakes who God can do even greater things than. That's in there. The God of the Bible is in the business of taking broken things and making them beautiful. He's all about restoration. In today's edition of Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel shares that God proves this over and over throughout the Bible. As you read God's message to you, you'll see that he doesn't give up when things seem hopeless and broken. Not at all. It doesn't make sense, but he can use even your biggest mistakes in amazing ways. Now here's Pastor Daniel in Numbers chapter 26 as he continues his message, The Second Census. Verse 5, the tribe of Reuben. Look at what it says. Reuben was the firstborn of Israel. The children of Reuben were Hanak, the family of of the Hanakites, of Paolo, the family of the Paolites, of Hezron, the family of the Hezronites, of Carmi, the family of the Carmites. These are the families of the Reubenites. Those who were numbered of them were 43,730. The sons of Paolo were Eliab, Dathan, and Abiram. These are the Dathan and Abiram, representatives of the congregation who contended against Moses and Aaron in the company of Korah, when they contended against the Lord, the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up. Together with Korah, when the company died, when the fire devoured 250 men and they became a sign, nevertheless, the children of Korah did not die. So the first one, of course, is Jacob's firstborn, Reuben, Always in almost all the lists he's given the first place. Remember, in that culture, there was the right of the firstborn. They received a double portion of their father's inheritance. They were given preference to take over as the patriarch of the family. So we know, and if you've studied through the book of Genesis with us, that Reuben doesn't have that distinction in the way God passed down his blessings from Abraham, Isaac, Isaac to Jacob. You realize in the Genesis story, Joseph and, of course, Judah end up taking precedence. Really, Joseph takes precedence, but Judah is the one who gets the promised Messiah, and we've talked about that. So if you want to go back and restudy the book of Genesis that we did many, 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 many moons ago. So you notice in this that the tribe of Reuben numbered 43,730 in the second census, which was a decrease of 2,770, which was in the first census, they were 46,500. So the tribe of Reuben lost about 6%. So the tribe got smaller. And notice in their listing, they went back 
and we rehash again what happened with the rebellion of Korah and these men, Dathan and Abiram. Remember, we studied that, didn't we, in Numbers chapter 16. Now, what can we learn from that? We can learn that sometimes when you do something dumb, it will be attached to your family name forever. So you know that I'm just gonna say, just don't be dumb because your descendants' descendants don't wanna have to remember that forever. Seriously, like, it's not, like, I say things like that and I'm being tongue-in-cheek, but really, things exist long after we do them. You know, and we have a lot of instances in the Bible where we are reminded of someone's story that isn't the best thing. You're like, man, they go down in history for thousands of years, many generations. People have been reading about Dathan and Abiram. You know, and so it's a reminder to think outside of yourself that you and I are part of something bigger. You are part of a family, an extended family. You're part of the human family. And we want to think about the idea of legacy, not in some sort of self-centered, egotistical way, but that everything we do lives beyond what we do and how we do it. And you need to think about what's the legacy that you're going to leave. I think at the very least, each one of us should say, God, will you allow me to leave a legacy of faith in Jesus to future generations? That people will be able to look back, man, my great, 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 great aunt and uncle, if the Lord tarries, followed hard after Jesus and transmitted their faith down into future generations. And I walk with Jesus now because of the legacy of faith that they left. And so we need, legacies are not tacked on at the end. They are hard fought and built day in and day out of our lives. You know that. It's not like you can just add a legacy at the end. Your legacy is the totality of your life that you pass along. And so what you do and how you and I live today really matters, doesn't it? It's part of your legacy. You're building that legacy right now. So Reuben, 6% decrease in the numbers of the tribe of Reuben. And of course, we see that there's four clans there and we get all their names. Now notice in verse 12, we go to the tribe of Simeon. The sons of Simeon, according to their families, were of Nemuel, the family of the Nemuelites, of Jamin, the family of the Jaminites, of Jekin, the family of the Jekinites, of Zerah, the family of the Zerahites, of Shuul, the family of the Shaulites. I'm just trying up here. You're saying, like, I'm not laughing at you. We're laughing with you, right? That's right, yeah. That's all, yep. Amen. Now I'm all self-conscious. It's because of Shaulites, right? That's right. We'll tell Lynn we'll name our next one that, amen? <laughs> We're not pregnant. No, 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 no. <laughs> Verse 14. These are the families of the Simeonites, 22,200. Now, if you look at the first census, the Simeonites end up, look at that number, 22,200. Do you know what their number was in the first census? 59,300. So they lost 24,000 people, which is a percentage loss of 63%. Why? We found out in Numbers chapter 25 that Zimri, who was the guy who was killed by Phineas being sexually immoral with the Moabitess woman, 
was of the tribe of Simeon. And a lot of scholars would say that because he was of that tribe, that the bulk of the people who fell because of the Council of Balaam that we saw in Numbers 25 were of the tribe of Simeon. And because this census happened right after the plague, that tribe had yet to recover from the big mistake that they had made. Wow. What's its meaning for us, brothers and sisters? Listen, sin has consequences. It, like, it legitimately has consequences. Like, you have a tribe that's lost 63% of the people. Like, unless you're talking about weight loss, losing 63% is not a good thing, right? It's, like, it's really bad. If you had an investment and you lost 63% of it, that would be bad. If you had your savings account and lost 63% of it, if you lost 63% of your income, that's a bad thing. And when you lose 63% of living souls in one tribe of people over 39 years, that's a big problem. And we have to remember that. See, I'll never forget, Pastor Bill, when I first got here, shared a message. We were doing message by message, and we were doing the the growing series. And he had a point. He said, listen, we fail to think consequentially. We fail to think through where something lands if we go on a course of action. And that was such a powerful lesson because so often in the heat of the moment, we make a decision. It feels right. Like we want to do this thing, and we fail to think of where it lands. I mean, they lost 63% of the people in their tribe. That's an atrocious loss. I mean, that's a tragic loss. No other tribe even close to has been decimated like the tribe of Simeon. So, brothers and sisters, it's not a scare tactic, but you got to think beyond the next minute. You have to force yourself to take the long view of life that if I do this, this could land here. And we allow our hope for the future to hem us in from what could be the calamity of the present. And I think too many of us, we like to play with fire. We like to be in the moment. We like not to think long-term, and we like to think in the moment. And for a tribe like Simeon, who lost 63% of its members over 39 years, if in fact, because Zimri was a ringleader, if the major culprits of the sin that happened in Numbers 25 was from that tribe, there go down in history as, man, the tribe of Simeon got decimated because of that. And sin is punishable by death. That's the gospel. And it's only by God's grace that we are not judged instantaneously for our mistakes. And we're so grateful Jesus died in our place, shed his blood for us, what we deserved. But man, to see Simeon decimated like that, it causes us to take a moment and say, Lord, help us, protect us, give us wisdom. Now look what it says in verse 15. The sons of Gad, according to their families, were Zephon, the family of the Zephonites, of Haggi, the family of the Haggiites, of Sunni, the family of the Sunnites, of Ozni, the family of the Oznites, of Eri, the family of the Arites, of Arod, and that's not Alex Rodriguez from the Yankees, the family of the Arodites, of Areli, the family of the Areliites, 
These are the families of the sons of Gad, according to those who were numbered of them, 40,500. So in the second census, Gad, 40,500, a decrease of about 5,150, down from 45,650 in the first census. So they lost about 11% of their tribe as they wandered through the wilderness. Verse 19, the sons of Judah were Ur and Onan, and Ur and Onan died in the land of Canaan. The sons of Judah, according to their families, were Shelah, the family of the Shelahites, of Perez, the family of the Parzites, of Zerah, the family of the Zarhites. The sons of Perez were of Hezron, the family of the Hezronites, of Hamul, the family of the Hamulites, and these are the families of Judah. Among them were numbered of them 76,500. So 76,500 in the second census, it's an increase of 1,900 from the first census where they were 74,600. So they gained a little less than 3%. Okay, now you notice that when it comes to the family of Judah, we are reminded again in verse 19 that Ur and Onan died in the land of Canaan. So if you remember back to Genesis chapter 38, remember Ur and Onan were married to a woman named Tamar, right? And Ur was married to her, he died, and then Onan performed the Leverite marriage where the next younger brother took the wife of the older to raise up offspring, and then he died. And then remember that Judah was supposed to give Shelah, Shelah, we wouldn't call him Sheila, Sheila to her, but he didn't do it. And remember that whole story where Tamar got dressed up as a harlot and Judah propositioned her and then they slept together. And you guys remember that? If you don't remember that, read Genesis 38. The Bible is a seedy book sometimes. Like you, that's it. Now, what's amazing is this whole thing goes on and then the kids are born and literally this is the lineage that Jesus comes from. The genealogy of Jesus has a man who slept with his daughter-in-law. She was pretending to be a harlot. That's like a great story, great family story. You know, you have all these different people who end up in there. And what does it teach us? It teaches us that God can redeem the greatest mistakes that we ever make. That's what it teaches us, that our God redeems. Now, we don't make bad decisions to see how God will redeem it, but we know that God can redeem bad mistakes and mistakes and bad decisions if we will place ourselves into his hands. That's what we learn. And I know there's some of you right now, you're here and you're like, there's no way that God can bring good out of the mistakes I've made. And I'm saying, yes, with men, that's impossible. With God, all things are possible. And you just need to come to Jesus with all your baggage, with all the issues, with all the stuff and say, God, I'm placing myself in your hands. If anybody can bring something beautiful out of this, it's you and I'm going to trust you with it. And then you walk in faith saying, God, I can't wait to see what you're going to do. God brings beauty out of ashes. Our God is a God who can see eggs broken and make a veritable feast. And you have to believe that. No, it won't happen through self-help. No, it won't happen through something. It happens through the grace of God. He wants to take your mistakes and he wants to bring beautiful things out of it. Only God can bring something as crazy as a man thinking he's 
buying a night with a prostitute and ends up being his daughter-in-law and she gets pregnant and that ends up being the child all the way, all the way back that Jesus comes through. Like if you were to write like the story of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, you definitely wouldn't put that in there. Like not in a million years. That's why I love when people say, oh, the Bible being written by people. I'm like, no one would have written it that way. Like nobody would have. Like it's like a bad soap opera. But the Bible is full of people who make a ton of mistakes who God can do even greater things then. And that's in there. The tribe of Judah. Now look at what happens next. Verse 23. The sons of Issachar, according to their families, were of Tola, the family of the Tolites, of Pua, the family of the Punites, of Jasub, the family of the Jasubites, of Simron, the family of the Shimronites. These are the families of Issachar, according to those who were numbered of them, 64,300. So the tribe of Issachar, we have 64,300 in the second census. It's an increase of 9,900 from the first census where they were at 54,400. So they gained about 18%. Now, if you want to read more about the future history of Issachar, you can go to First Chronicles chapter 7. You get more about the tribe of Issachar. But the tribe of Issachar, as you can see, grew substantially in their time in the wilderness. Now, verse 26. The sons of Zebulun, according to their families, were of Sered, family of the Sardites, of Elon, the family of the Elonites, of Jalil, the family of the Jalilites. These were the families of the Zebulonites, according to those who were numbered of them, sixty. 1,500. So you have 60,500, an increase of about 3,100 from the 57,400 of the first census. They grew by about 5%. Okay? Now, I can take a little break. We can have a little fun. When was the last time you called yourself and your family the ites? So like mine are the Fuscoites. So I want you to feel free to say hello and how are the, you know, whoever, the, the Baronites or the Whatever your last name is. Just have some fun with it. You have, you, have, you have ites if you didn't know it. And if somebody asks you where you're getting it from, just say, I'm just getting it from the Bible. God's word says it. So I believe it. End of story. So you have ites. Praise the Lord. Do you ever think that would be exciting that you have ites? Yeah. Dude, I'm grasping at straws here. This is a tough text. Right? Amen? But listen, you can t- just tweet that. I got ites. Thanks, Jesus. Amen. Okay, (laughs) verse 28. The sons of Joseph, according to their families, by Manasseh and Ephraim, this is verse 28, were the sons of Manasseh, of Machir, the son of the Machirites, uh, and Machir begot Gilead, of Gilead, the family of the Gileadites. These are the sons of Gilead, of Jezer, I love that, the family of the Jezerites, of Helek, the family of the Helekites, of Azrael, the family of the Azrael, whatever. Of Shechem, the family of the Shechemites. Of Shemitah, the family of the Shemitites. That's a great name for a girl, Shemitah. Of Hefer, the family of the Heferites. I'm going to try. Now, Zelophehad, the son of Hefer, had no sons. I can't understand why. But daughters, and the names and the daughters of Zelophad were Mala, Noah, Hoglath, Milcah, and Tirzah. These are the families of Manasseh, 
And those were numbered of them were 52,700. Now, what you notice is that Joseph gets play, and then you get his two sons. We get the tribe of Manasseh and the tribe of Ephraim. Now, don't forget that. Remember, when Joseph was reunited to his father in Egypt, Jacob adopted Joseph's two sons, okay? If you remember, that was in Genesis chapters 38 and 39. We talk about all that, where literally Jacob adopts his son, Joseph's sons, as his own. And what you end up having is, by that being the case, you end up having 13 tribes, really. You have Jacob's 12 sons, but he adopted Joseph's son. So depending on the list, if it's about land, you'll normally get Ephraim and Manasseh because Levi didn't get any land. If it's about other things, then Levi is included and you just have him as the tribe of Joseph. So it's very fascinating. And you guys know that the tribes of Israel, the 12 tribes, the 13 tribes, when Jesus chose 12 disciples, he's starting the new, Jerusalem, the new children of Israel, the new people of God from the remnant of the people of God. And you remember, Jesus had 12 disciples, but then Judas committed suicide, so he's out. And then they, they picked Matthias in Acts chapter 1. And then, of course, in Acts chapter 9, you get the Apostle Paul. So it's very fascinating, because just as there was 12 tribes that became 13 tribes, there's 12 apostles that became what? 13 apostles. Now, everybody asked the question, well, which names of the apostles are going to be on the foundations of the new Jerusalem? And guess what? I don't know. When we get there, we're going to find out. And what's really fascinating, when you get the numbering of the 144,000 of the 12 tribes of Israel, it's interesting who's in there and who's not. So if you like Bible searching, and you should, go run that stuff down. Go have some fun. It's a good time. Get a notebook or a thing. Do some research. Do all the places the 12 tribes are mentioned. Figure out which ones are there, which ones are not. Try and come up with a cohesive theory as to why it is. And if you do a really good job, you can go get a degree in seminary. But it's very fascinating stuff. So notice, you get Joseph. We're reminded that Joseph had two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. And then we get it broken down. And first we get the tribe of Manasseh. Very good names involved in this. In verse 34, we find out that there was 52,700 from the tribe of Manasseh. So there were 52,700. They're up in the first census. They were at 32,200. So they increased by 64%. Jesus is real. Thanks for staying with us as Pastor Daniel continues to go through the second census of the tribes of Israel. You were reminded that God can win back your failures to bring about good. What a hopeful reality. Because Jesus is real, you aren't relegated to a life of bondage and suffering. In His power and grace, you can move steadily forward in spite of your brokenness and experience the full life He wants you to have. I want to thank you so much for listening to the Jesus is Real program. And I realize that there are many of you, you're not a born-again follower of Jesus. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. But as you've been listening, you've been saying to yourself, I want to begin to follow Jesus. I want to help you do that right now. We're going to pray a simple prayer that just acknowledges who Jesus is in your life. So if that's you, if you're saying yes to Jesus for the very first time, pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe in you, your life, your death on the cross, and your resurrection. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I ask it in Jesus' name. And we all said together, amen. For those of you who just received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm so excited for you. 
I want to know that you did it, though, because I want to help you take your next steps with him. So pull out your mobile phone, text the word SAVED to 51400, S-A-V-E-D to 51400, and my team will get in touch with you. We want to get some more resources in your hands to help you on this journey. Now, my team, we want to share some stuff with you, so don't go anywhere. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. You know, the Bible says that when one person comes to Jesus, the angels in heaven rejoice. And we rejoice with them today if you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Daniel. Again, to receive some resources that are going to help you in this new journey with Jesus, take out your mobile phone right now and text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 51400. Join us again here on Jesus is Real Radio when Pastor Daniel invites you to discover that God is the great multiplier. He can do a lot with a little. You'll learn that God takes the smallest things and causes them to grow exponentially. This is so encouraging when you think about the little bits of energy, excitement, or ability that you have at times. You'll be blown away by what He can do with whatever you give Him to use. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time. As Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through this series called Preparation. That's next time on Jesus is Real Radio.